What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human beings too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how many years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual combo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. We are so grateful that you're here. So if you enjoy this podcast and want to connect further, we invite you to follow along on Instagram at what the actual fork pod and subscribe rate and review our podcast so we can continue to share this message with more and more people. Now let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of what the actual fork podcast. I feel like we're in a really silly mood right now. Which like are much better than our our ones that are like, I feel like I'm unhinged. Yeah. (laughs) Well, our episode is very not serious, serious, but but I would say it's very informative and it's wonderful. And and we will get there. But it's funny because off air we were chatting and like, okay, what is your what the actual fork (laughs) moment? And it's like, well, you know why I also think we don't have one is because we recorded on Tuesday. Yes. And now it's Thursday. So we it's barely been two days. So and I don't leave the house. And And I haven't um, opened TikTok once today. So I'm just saying (laughs) that is the first of all, it's a record because it's almost two o'clock. And that's really where my what the actual fork moments come from, unless I leave the house, which I have not today. Oh. Yeah, because I feel like wasn't Tuesday when I was like, well, I was at the nail salon and you were like, I was at the hair salon. And it's like, okay, if you want to find a what the actual fork moment, just go get your nails or hair done. And there you go. I mean, it's just, it's really bad, but, but it's also good for content. And right now, Sam and I are in deep holes of trying to find content to talk about. And all I keep seeing on my feed right now is like the Instagram, um, profile I am 30 as fuck and it's like why our generation has anxiety and it's like just all of this shit my favorite one because I'm 36 so I mean the 90s early 2000s like all the things and it just my brother and I will like if he ever listened to this he would die but like do you remember when like beanie babies were like such a thing and like we would buy like the tag protectors, like thinking yes. that these fucking little stuffed animals were going to make us millionaires one day. <laughs> like if I know my brother had the Princess Diana one, um, like in a case, thinking like one day this one's going to like make us really. <laughs> it is funny to think about like who created the tag protector. Someone with massive anxiety today. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. If you had if you had beanie babies with tag protectors on them, how are you doing today? I love like those kind of questions. Like if you had this, I think I had a TikTok go viral. You did. About that. That I was remember like, that. If, if you what was it? It was like if you your went belly to tanning beds. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you have a belly button <laughs> ring, if you excessively went to tanning beds and used to get acrylic nails, how That's is your, your anxiety. raging anxiety? <laughs> and and everyone in the comments was like, "Whoa, you really came for me." And I'm like, "Well, chances are, maybe not 
because of these things, but you <laughs> because of them. what you lived through. Yes. This one right now that I'm looking at is like, it shows the beanie baby and it says like, going to be worth a ton of money someday. And it's like a little pie sliver and going to sit in the box in your parents' basement for 25 years is the rest of the pie. <laughs> and the caption says, my retirement plan is kind of smelling like mothballs. Do your parents struggle to get rid of stuff? So they moved like five or six years, five years ago. Ooh, that probably um, helped. A no, lot. less than that. Like three years ago, right before Noah was born, they moved out of my like most of my childhood home yes. to a house with much less storage space. So they got rid of a lot, but they gave me many boxes that are now in my basement because they don't have a basement. Isn't it funny <laughs> so how like, you no, I have like, it? Exactly. See, <laughs> I'm lucky where I live in Florida. So my and my parents are in Pennsylvania. So my mom has so, like we're going to Pittsburgh Soon. next week. And she has pulled out all of my childhood baby toys for my daughter. Like, that's actually great. Like, because I went off to pack toys. But I'm like, oh, my God. Like, she has the stacking rings. Like, everything. Like, and I'm like, why do you still have this? You know? It's, like, crazy. But because I'm in Florida, she can't, like, ship it to me because it's huge bins. So. That's so funny. Uh, so we were talking about those types of memes and then also how we both just send our significant others parenting memes all day long. And they like really crack me up because they're so accurate. Yes. I just <laughs> want to play the audio on the one I sent you so people know it for context. So it should come through the mic because it's on my phone. Guess what, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> So that one's literally like a husband or a partner, right? Like knocking on the door, getting home from work. And then he's like saying a prayer that his wife will be in the good mood. And then it's the Tiger King. You open up the door and he's like, guess what, motherfucker? And I'm like, that literally, I remember someone sent me that in early postpartum. And that was every time Luke would come home. Like he would be have to like walk on eggshells. And I like look back at it now and I didn't realize how bad it was, but I was like, in such a bad place (laughs) so relatable though the two that are like so impactful in like my household right now number one is there's so many where it's like when you tell your husband the plans for the weekend and it's like the meme is the piece of paper with like the plans on it going right into a paper shredder yes I think Luke sent me I think Luke (laughs) sent me that one but I swear to god I said to Matt the other day I'm like do you even listen when I talk he was like, not really. And I'm like, perfect. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I think it's good to know that like, you're not alone. And like most <laughs> heterosexual relationships, if you are married to a man, like that's life. Do you follow Allison Kutch on TikTok? I'm obsessed. I need to know if her baby, what the sex of her baby is. Cause I keep waiting. She did yes. like the, I'm about to reveal. And then I know what it's going to be. And then like never posted it. Yeah, she's very good at building suspense, but she just did a video about that or she it was some funny video where she was talking. And I think her husband's name is Isaac. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she was like, right, Isaac? And he's like, what? And she's like, are you f- like, are you kidding? Like, is anyone else's husband like this? And it was pretty funny. Oh, um, hilarious. But yeah, um, 
then the other one is the one where I don't even know what the meme like stems from. No, I do. It's the movie White Chicks where the guy is, I don't remember the actor's name, but he's driving home singing Vanessa Carlton and like his convertible by himself. And yesterday I took Noah to get a haircut alone. And that's just like, for whatever reason, he just like cannot understand the concept. He hates it. He won't sit still. It's always, I have to bribe him with ice cream. So as we're like pulling into the driveway after like an all out brawl at the hair salon. And of course I bring him to my hair salon because we can't find a place that like is kid friendly around here. So it's like a big production, right? (laughs) It's like, I get this like terrible email that I needed to respond to. So I like gave him, I'm sitting in the part in our driveway. Okay. After this like hour and a half experience, I'm trying to write an email. I give Noah his iPad, which I happen to have in the car just to like keep him still. So I could like type out this email. Matt pulls up next to us after work. It's like 545. And he's like singing and happy and like rolls down the window. And my window was down and I rolled my window. <laughs> like, I'm going to get out of the car. And leave like, Don't speak to me. Take the kid and run. <laughs> oh my goodness. But that's, you know, those are, I've seen very, um, I don't know if enlightening is the right word, maybe just validating, yes. but like, posts from people that are like, if you're in the season of marriage where you have young kids and you're basically like a roommate with your partner, like it will get better. And although we have a lot of triggering situations, we also do have a lot of glimmers of like, you know, being a family unit and happy times. And so, but I think it is important to talk about if like you're at your wits end because the hormones that come along with pregnancy postpartum overstimulation of motherhood I mean being touched out all of those things it's like managing your own emotions and trying to manage on top of all of that yeah Yeah. and trying to teach another human to manage their own like that's really hard yes really hard so oh Um, my goodness well this is a perfect segue I I know I had so much more we were going to talk about but let's just go I'm sure let's do it. Okay. (laughs) Well, we have the amazing Nicola Salmon on the podcast and her Instagram account is at fat positive fertility. If you are trying to get pregnant, if you have a friend or family member who's trying to get pregnant, specifically, if you know someone too, that resides in a larger body and has had trouble getting access to fertility treatments or just fair unbiased healthcare related to pregnancy and fertility. You must follow Nicola's account. She, this is her part two on the What the Actual Fork podcast. Um, so you'll have to go back in our show notes. We will link part one of her first time that she was on here. But today we just dive deep into all things weight and pregnancy and fertility related. She is a fat positive fertility coach. She's the author of the book, Fat and Fertile. She's a fat activist. She's a speaker. She's a coach. And she's just a wealth of knowledge. And an amazing human who I personally, and I know I can speak for you, send a ton of people her way because her information that she shares for free on her social media is incredible. And I just found out, I don't know how I missed it, that she has a book that's four years old and I can't wait to recommend that as well. So everybody enjoy this episode. We cover a lot of really important topics today. Um, And I can't wait to hear what you guys think. As always, like 
rate, subscribe, review, do all of the things so we can continue to get this podcast in the ears of more and more people. And we would love to shout you out with your review on an episode. Um, So make sure to leave one. One thing you will hear us say very consistently on this podcast is that health is not a moral obligation. And I gave AG1 a try because I was recognizing that as a new, I say new mom, but my daughter is now one years old. So I don't, am I still a new mom? Because I surely feel like one. I can promise you that. But I've, I've talked about this on podcast episodes in the past that like, I feel like my relationship with food is shifting where my priorities are shifting as a mother. I'm taking care of another human being now, and I'm finding it difficult to nourish myself and fuel myself because time is very limited. And I was recognizing that my nutrient density was lacking. I just wasn't getting as many nutrient dense foods. And this is where I gave AG1 a try. And I drink AG1 first thing in the morning. And it it makes me feel calm in a sense because I know that I'm getting some nutrient density before the day gets going. Now, as I started this, we know that health is not a moral obligation and you do not have to do anything. But I love that AG1 is so convenient and easy to get in because as a mama, I can just promise you that my brain is going from one thing to the other and I just feel like I don't have time for anything. So if you're looking for something simple and convenient to increase your nutrient density, you can give AG1 a try and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash fork. That is drinkag1.com forward slash fork and check it out. Welcome back to the podcast, Nicola. We're so excited to have you here today. You are seriously, and I truly mean this, I think for both me and Jenna, we send your account to people more than anyone else's account. We talk so much about fertility and motherhood and postpartum and pregnancy and all of the things. Um, And there's just such a need for you in this space. So thank you for being you and also happy fourth birthday to your book, (laughs) Fat and Fertile, which we can celebrate today. Yay. Oh, thank you so much for that. I appreciate it so much. So often in this world, you're in your own little lane, you're just doing your own thing. So it's so nice to know that it, you know, the work means something to somebody else. So thank you for sharing that. Well, it's so nice to have someone we trust to refer people to. Um, So thank you for the work that you do. Yes. Oh my gosh. So many good things to talk about. Okay. I know. Before we get into all things, Nicola, all the things you do, of course, a little bit behind you and, and how you got started. I do want to ask you a what the actual fork moment that has stopped you in your tracks recently. Maybe it was something you saw on social, maybe a commercial, maybe something someone said to you, maybe maybe it's a client's experience that they shared with you, but something recently that stopped you in your tracks to say, what the actual fork is this? Yes, I've got a really good one. You Yay. won't be surprised. So Probably not. I've had a few people message me recently and it's happened like maybe two or three times in the past month or so. 
and they've had these letters from their doctors. They've been to see their care providers and their doctors have sent them these letters and said something along the lines of really sorry that we can't help you. Fertility treatment X, Y, Z, whether that's like ovulation stuff or IVF stuff, it doesn't work for fat people. So you'll need to go away and lose weight. And just it blows my mind how healthcare providers, doctors who have years of training, education, doctoring that they do, you know, like can say stuff like this, which is so, so wrong on a many million of levels. But it's just like it blows my mind that they are spouting out this nonsense in 2023 oh my gosh thank you for sharing that with us and i know we've had this is your part two so we'll have to link in the show notes for anyone who missed our part one with you we did a few years back um we talked a lot about weight and fertility Mm -hmm. treatments so to to kind of piggyback off of that we would love to hear and you can give an abbreviated version because i know we did speak about it more in part one just how you got into this field, doing what you're doing today, both personally and professionally. And then if you want to piggyback that into an answer of how would you respond to someone that sends you a DM like this? Like, what would you say to them? Because I'm sure there's people listening. They're like, that happened to me too. Yeah. I mean, I always talk about my fertility journey. I had a fertility journey in reverse almost. So I expected it to be really hard. Told I wouldn't get pregnant at 16 because of PCOS. And then spent my whole like late teens, early 20s thinking it was going to be really hard for us to get pregnant. But it wasn't like spoiler alert, got two boys. They are what seven and nine now. And it was totally unremarkable, easy pregnancies, births. So really, for me, getting into this work was I have the capacity to do this because I haven't been through that. Yet I know in a parallel universe somewhere I would be struggling with this. I would be denied care based on my BMI. Um, And through my pregnancies, you know, I had a lot of anxiety around it, a lot of weight stigma that I faced because of my body and it being pregnant. So those kind of things were things that built up into me doing this work. And for the people who come to me who said, yes, I've had this experience, I've been denied care. The way that I'm asking people to kind of respond and go back to it is to get them, give them the burden of proof, ask them to say, okay, well, show me the evidence that it doesn't work in fat people. And I've got a whole host of evidence that I send them to say, and here is all the ton of evidence that shows it does work. Um, Often, but sometimes, you know, it isn't safe to do that. So it's, you know, we've got to keep our own safety in mind first. It can feel really difficult to have those conversations. But that is so much of the work that I do with folks is teaching them how to have these conversations and normalizing, like answering back to your doctors, asking them questions, making them do the work and actually you know, give you a proper diagnosis based on your symptoms on that, you know, their experience and making sure that they're ticking all the boxes and crossing out all the possible other diagnoses that it could be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The baby in my belly right now kicked so hard when you said two boys. He was like, mom, I'm coming. <laughs> uh, like, and I'm not even kidding. I was like, oh, oh my God. Uh, but I feel like I don't even want to ask my questions. I just want to see where the conversation goes because I just feel like there's so much confusion around this topic in general. And we do have people who listen to the episode that are maybe not thinking about getting pregnant, but want to support somebody who is or knows somebody who is. And so to backtrack a little bit, can you share a little more about like where the confusion, because you have the evidence and the research, and I love when you said burden of proof, I love that statement, but where does the confusion come from that fertility and your body size are so quote unquote connected? Mm, there's so many layers to it, but I'll try and explain it kind of simply. So I guess the foundation is this inherent anti-fat bias that we have in our healthcare profession. We see it in every area of medicine, right? It's not just specific to fertility. We have it in like cardiovascular stuff, cancer, you know, all of the fields of medicine have this inherent foundational belief that fat is bad, fat people are unhealthy, and that we've done it all to ourselves, right? Like we are responsible for that because of the way that we eat, the way that we move our bodies or lack of. So there is that bias, which is built into all of our healthcare systems. So if we remember that, then looking at the kind of fertility industry, and it is this massive industry where a lot of people are making a lot of money from people who are in one of the most vulnerable phases of their lives. They are coming at this from a place of we want to help people, but we also want to profit right like of oh, so many private facility clinics are in this for money making and that's you know tends to be what people go into business for that's understandable in a capitalist world but we have this assumption in the fertility world that people with a higher bmi are less successful and the reason that that exists is because researchers who are doing the research are have anti-fat bias protocols around IVF when they are created are created for straight sized people so we've never taken into account how physiologically fat people's bodies work differently we see this in other ways we know that um like the morning after pill for example doesn't work as well for folks in bigger bodies like we have understanding the fact that often we'll need larger doses of medication we know that in children like we dose people based on their weight Yet in IVF, in treatments, we don't have the same kind of foresight often. So a lot of the research is done where we keep everything the same. We give everybody the same dose. And yet then we see people fail at bigger bodies because we haven't taken into account that they may need a higher dose. So we take that evidence. We throw in our anti-fat bias that we've already had from being in the healthcare system. And then we have this profiting idea as well that we want to make money and by doing that, we need to make ourselves look good. So we need to have the best results. We need to have the best success rates. If we think that fat people aren't going to give us that, then we're going to say, okay, we're not going to treat fat people. That's a very kind of like realistic thing. I mean, there's a whole section of it about it as well of we don't want fat people to be pregnant because we believe that 
they're going to pass on those fat genes, right? And it's like this idea of it's unhealthy for them to get pregnant because then their children are going to be fat and we want to eradicate all fat people. Therefore, we can't have fat people getting pregnant and passing on their fat genes. It's There's so many difficult bits like in this. And obviously as well, there's a whole massive um, racist route to this, you know, of looking at, we know that BMI is based on a very anti you know, kind of anti-black, anti-colored folks, like um, base. So it's really, um, I'm not explaining this right. We know that BMI is racist. So it makes a lot of sense that we, you know, we still have very racist healthcare systems. We still have very racist um, undertones in all our medicine. So it's really, yeah, it's really hard to unpick all of those millions of different things that are influencing the care that people get I hope that makes sense so much sense and like I mean we could make seven podcast episodes just to answer that one question so (laughs) thank you for pulling all that in I thought it was so interesting isn't it funny how a healthcare provider will be like we don't want you to pass on your fat genes right if that Mm -hmm. that's a thought process but then they're also the ones saying that you're fat because you eat too much or you're not moving your body enough when we know that the size of someone's body is more tied to their genetics. So we can't win with healthcare Mm. providers, no matter what is said. Can I add something into this? Because I'm now dabbling in the insurance space as well. And I'm just learning so much about like the care that is provided. And there's this like tiny fucking window of people or just space where you get, you know, care, right. Based on your BMI, just per like what I'm learning, I'm not going to call any companies out. Um, but I'm learning that some companies will provide X amount of sessions. If your BMI is within this range, if it's too low, then you have an eating disorder and you have extra care. If it's above what is considered to be quote, heavy air quotes, normal, then you get more sessions too. There's this tiny little range where they're like, just stay here. And the, every time I get an email that kind of like has that language in it, my like, I want to like raise out of my seat and like go through the ceiling because like that is the core root of what is the problem with our healthcare industry mm-hmm. is putting people into these buckets and then deciding how we can help them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we know that these goalposts change right like all the time we know that what's considered a normal BMI is like the goalposts are changing all the time so it makes no sense that this completely arbitrary number is like defining people's healthcare journey and the care that they can receive I like a rocket scientist right isn't that who made it <laughs> oh my. I think it was what was it an astronomist something right. really bizarre my brain yeah. says yeah. rockets space <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have to ask you this because I've gotten a lot of DMS about this. And again, my heart, like anything fertility related after going through three rounds of IVF, my heart just aches for people in this Mm. space and knowing the financial burden, the emotional burden. So I've heard people now getting prescriptions for Ozempic and these drugs, because if we bring it back to what you were saying before, right? If healthcare thinks fat is bad, We have to get rid of fatness to be able to treat you, air quotes, for fertility. Mm -hmm. Then, like, I wasn't even thinking about that for the longest time. I don't know why. But now I'm like, oh, my gosh, that makes so much sense. That now they're going to push this drug first to, air quotes, fix the fatness to Mm -hmm. then 
make you heavy air quotes healthy, right? Because now you're smaller and you're healthier and now you can do IVF. How is this coming up in the work that you're doing? And like, are you seeing this of doctors pushing these drugs and how do you work with clients or navigate that? It's really scary because there is so little long-term research about the implications of taking this medication. So we don't know how this is going to impact people's fertility moving forward, but also we don't know how it's going to impact the health of their children as they you know, have taken this beforehand. And so many people, when they start taking it, don't really understand that actually, you know, then they can't get pregnant while they're taking it. They, there is a half-life to the drug that they have to wait a certain amount of time before they, they can start to get pregnant again. So, of course, it's delaying. It's time that is being wasted, and we know time is a factor when it comes to fertility. Um, and, yeah, we just don't know the side effects of it. We just don't know the implications that this is going to have on people's health. And often it's not explained to them that as soon as they top, stop taking this medication, which they'll have to do if they do want to get pregnant, then immediately the weight's going to start to come back on. This is only ever like a, a really short-term fix. We know that people have to take it for life if they want to maintain the weight loss that they get from that prescription. So it's it's a really, almost like it feels very experimental, like these people are almost being experimented on because we just don't have enough evidence, enough long-term research to really understand the implications of taking this medication, especially just before you want to get pregnant. And my brain goes to, so my backstory, which we haven't chatted about is I, due to my disordered past and low body fat percentage slash PCOS diagnosis, I had a very difficult time. I was told I would have a very difficult time getting pregnant. Um, That being said, my brain goes to if we're now putting somebody on restrictive diets, because we know on Ozempic, their appetite is like gone, right? So they're not eating. Their nutrition status is very, very compromised, for lack of a better term. What we know about pregnancy and fertility, to my understanding, is like your nutrition status really matters, right? Mm -hmm. In order to have optimal fertility in some cases or many cases, um, not all, but now we're even just eating enough, right? Like even if you take out nutrient density, just eating enough. Yes. Just enough fuel in your body. Absolutely. So now we have this like complex I, I don't even know how to word this, but like, we're now making people sick and saying, now you're going to get pregnant, but you're mm. not eating. So like, how does this make any sense? It doesn't. It really <laughs> doesn't. It is just wild. Like, you know, we've had this already of like folks in bigger bodies, especially people that I work with, like they have come from a whole history of dieting, of restrictive eating. And as soon as they start fueling their bodies again, as soon as they start giving themselves permission to eat till their body feels safe, so their, you know, their nervous system feels like, okay, we're not in a famine, we're, it's okay to get pregnant. As soon as they give themselves that safety, then often that's the thing that they need to be able to then go on and get pregnant. So if we're inducing even more of that, it's just going to lead to, again, the body going, okay, well, I don't have enough resources to get pregnant. I don't have enough resources in this world to bring in another human being. So it is, I just don't see how it's going to help at all. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And to think about, you know, how you said you have to come off of it a certain Mm. amount of time to be able to get pregnant. Well, you hear people saying when they're on the medication, right, it has super appetite suppressant. So now you come off the, the medication and you're hungry again, right? Because you can feel your hunger cues. And if you've used cope, if you've used food as a coping mechanism, which every single human has, and that's Mm -hmm. normal, and it's an accessible coping mechanism, if we have food security, to think about how that's going to play into things. Because I know when I was going through IVF, like those hormones, food was a great coping mechanism. And, Mm -hmm. and so to then think how shame induced it'll be of, oh, now I'm eating and I want more food. Oh my gosh. There's just, it, it scares, it scares the shit out of me of what we're going to see over the next few years of how this, this medication is affecting people. And then specifically thinking about, you said it earlier. I loved how you said it. This is such a vulnerable population, women Mm -hmm. who are trying to actively get pregnant. It is so vulnerable. So vulnerable. And it's so understandable that they'd want to go down the route of taking this medication because it feels like a way that they can jump through this arbitrary hoop of, you know, accessing fertility care, accessing fertility support. So, you know, it's it's totally understandable for anybody who's taking this, for anybody who wants to take this. Like, I totally get why. But it is just yeah, I just don't see how in the long term this is going to benefit anybody. Mm. And there's no research to support that it will. Um, (laughs) So I have a question for you. I had a client in the past who was pregnant and lived in a larger body and she was told by her doctor and I thank God my session with her wasn't a Zoom session because the way my jaw dropped when she told me this would have been very unprofessional of me. But she said that her doctor told her this was a couple of years ago that she was only allowed heavy air quotes to gain the amount of weight that the baby weighed during her pregnancy. So like in totality, like maybe a couple extra pounds. So she said his recommendation was a total weight gain of 15 pounds. Like if the baby was eight pounds at birth, like then she'd have like seven of the water or whatever, the blood flow, which we know from statistics, like that's not even healthy or safe. Can you clarify? I I mean, I I told her to get a new doctor, probably unprofessional in my recommendation then, but even now having gone through pregnancy myself, like I I see even more so how dangerous that recommendation from this physician was. And I would just love if you could clarify what weight gain and pregnancy in general, regardless of body size should look like or can look like. So yeah, the guidelines around pregnancy weight gain are really problematic because I can't remember the exact figures, but obviously as BMI goes up, the weight that your heavy quotes allowed to gain goes down. So what we're saying for the higher weight folks is is basically that you have to 
you know lose weight because although you're gaining weight like the weight that you're allowed to gain isn't the same weight as the you know the actual increase in your body so you've not got only baby you've got the amniotic fluid you've got a whole new organ that you've grown the placenta your blood volume increases there are so many incredible things that your body is doing when you're pregnant and none of that should be you know made smaller because of your body size your baby is not going to be smaller because your weight is higher your analytic fluid is not going to be less because your body weight is higher it is basically just another fat shaming anti-fat way of telling people without telling them that they've got to lose weight so yeah really problematic and the way that we talk about fat people in general when they're pregnant is you know, surrounded by all different weight, like types of this, you know, these issues. So we talk about high risk, but actually, sometimes we consider it, it can be considered higher risk, but by labeling something high risk, it just makes it really scary. And actually, there's no reason that we need to frighten people with associated risks around pregnancy, you know, all pregnant people have risk. It's something that I think people should be really aware of and understand what their like absolute risk is without scaring people so that they can make informed decisions. But pregnancy can be totally boring when you're in a bigger body. Like mine, nothing happened. Like I was terrified everything was going to happen because that's what I'd been told and that's what I expected. Nothing happened. And that was great. But things can happen. And of course, things can happen for folks in all bodies. Um, And that doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. That doesn't mean that you've made, you know, mistakes or eaten the wrong thing or done the wrong thing or anything. It just means that you need a bit of extra care and support through your pregnancy. And that shouldn't be something that you should be made to feel judged or ashamed about. Such a beautiful answer. And looking over your um, Instagram account, which everyone needs to pull out their phones right now and go follow fat positive fertility if you don't already. But I see the hashtag on here a lot. Hashtag I deserve to be supported. And you have a lot of posts on here talking about what if I don't really believe that I deserve to be supported? Can you talk a little bit about what you mean behind that and what you see with some of your clients who reside in larger bodies related to seeking support around fertility? Yeah. Lots of people that I work with, lots of people that I talk to, even if they're at the very beginning phases of wanting to grow their family, they have this feeling that it's their fault. So, off, you know, we've been conditioned to believe that, that because we haven't got pregnant yet or because we're in a bigger body, that means that we aren't worthy of accessing care. Because we haven't lost the weight, that means that we aren't entitled to access treatment or that we aren't entitled to get support from our doctor and everything in the fertility industry affirms that belief, right? Because everybody that you'll talk to, nearly everybody that, you know, clinics that you'll see will say, oh, we can't help you until you've lost weight. And there's often this like cruel to be kind mentality that doctors will have of, you know, telling you straight, telling you like it is, because this is what you need to hear. Um, And that, you know, people believe that they aren't worthy and deserving of that care. And it's, It breaks my heart so much that people believe that, that they somehow need to earn their care, their health care, their fertility care. Um, So a lot of, yeah, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing at the moment is around 
helping people really understand that it's okay that they want to get pregnant in a bigger body. That doesn't make them irresponsible. It doesn't mean that they're a bad future parent because they want to do this in a bigger body. They have absolutely every right to make that decision. And I want to help them make it in an informed way so they understand potential risks. They understand what might happen, what their doctors might say. But I want everybody to understand and to really believe that they are absolutely worthy and deserving of all of the care and support that they need to get there, no matter what that looks like. Oh, I could listen to you talk all day. And again, (laughs) the baby is moving more now than ever. So he clearly agrees. I found out recently that's a boy. So he definitely agrees. Now I, I will have two boys just like you. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Um, but you know, I had a question that I pulled up from your Instagram post that I think you answer beautifully on Instagram. So I'm going to switch it around, Sam, and then I'll close it out. But, um, you know, I can't just can't help but think because we recently recorded an episode, just Sam and I about, you know, tips for refusing to be weighed in the doctor's office and also the connection to pregnancy and weight. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm not an expert in pregnancy, but I had a very uncomfortable situation with the nurse who weighed me um, during a pregnancy visit and just kind of shared that story. And we gave some tips from our own just professional opinion and stance about that refusal when you are someone who is living in a larger body who is pregnant and who is asked to be weighed at these appointments do you have any tips to help them navigate that experience the way that I like to yeah the way I like to talk about it is to really kind of explore all the different eventualities of being weighed so you know there's three different if you get weighed there's three different things that are going to happen you're either going to have lost maintained or gained And for a person in a bigger body, none of those things are going to help them with their pregnancy care. Regardless of what happens, they're either going to be congratulated for losing weight or shamed for maintaining or gaining, depending on, you know, what their healthcare professional is like. Nobody's going to use that information to make any kind of informed decision about their healthcare or their pregnancy. It's not like when somebody who is in maybe a straight sized body could lose a load of weight and then that would be a red flag for them, right? Like something might be wrong, maybe baby's not growing, maybe we need to do a scan. That wouldn't happen for someone in a bigger body because they'd just be like, oh, look at you, you're doing great, you've lost weight. Like that just wouldn't happen. So I help people kind of make sense of that and kind of think, okay, well, you know, is there any benefit to me? Do I want to do this or not? And once they've made that decision themselves with all that information, then we can explore, okay, what would it look like to say no? What alternatives could you look at if they want to use this as like a health marker for pregnancy? 
you know, could they do tape measures around the tummy? How would that make you feel? Would that inflammation be useful? Would it be harmful in any kind of disordered eating patterns that you've got? Could, you know, if they're worried about baby size, you know, could a scan be more useful when we're looking at baby size? We know that's more useful than being weighed and being measured, but still not a great predictor of baby size. So it's it's about helping them understand what options they have so that they can talk to their healthcare provider about what's going to be most useful for their pregnancy care rather than just completely arbitrary weight measurements, which don't really mean anything and aren't actually going to have a positive you know, impact on their health care or their pregnancy care. Thank you so much for answering that because that is not something that we covered in um in our last episode. So this episode today has covered so many important topics that I'm so excited to share and now have another resource to share with people when they come into my (laughs) DMs. Um, So thank you so much for your time. If you could tell everybody about your book, um, the fourth birthday or the fourth anniversary of the book um, and also where to find you, that would be amazing. Absolutely. So you can find the book over on Amazon. It's at fat, it's called Fat and Fertile. Um, it's kind of like a mix of my own experience, a little bit of research and some kind of affirming exercises, especially for people who are just starting out and wanting to explore getting pregnant in a bigger body. It's a really great introduction resource. Um, and then if you want to find more information, I share loads of research, loads of resources on my Instagram, which is at Fat Positive Fertility. Um, and that's where I kind of try and share everything that I find, everything that I see on research, on resources, so that people have the information that they need to advocate for themselves, to really understand that they do deserve support, that they do deserve care, and then they can go away and get that for themselves. Oh, thank you so much, Nicola. And if you could leave our listeners with one sentence, what would you want them to remember? there's no right or wrong answer you could make it Um, two if you want oh okay one sentence um it would be that you absolutely deserve fertility care i love that i love that thank you so much for being here and sharing your gifts with us and the world my pleasure thank you so much for having me Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all of your friends and faves, and don't forget to rate and review and let us know what you want to hear more of. The more we hear from you, the more that we can make these episodes exactly what you want. We would also love to connect with you on Instagram at what the actual fork pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you. We appreciate you. And we will see you next week for more fun.